0: can't ask the person that's hurting to just heal themselves you've got to turn to the system to say what has happened that the very people that are hurting feel like they can't come get help
1: hey what's up this is Corey dion lewis clinical health coach and host of the healthy project podcast now the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices the purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review, or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds, and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project podcast. I'm your host, Corey Dion Lewis. Uh, I have a great guest in the building today. We have the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. I have Dr. Andrea Willis in the building today. Dr. Willis, thank you so much for being on. I truly appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So before we get into the topic at hand, how about we, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself and what gets you up in the morning?
0: So I am a board certified pediatrician, but I have been serving in public health roles most of my career. So I have served as Deputy Commissioner of Health for the state of Tennessee. I had the privilege of starting Cover Kids, which is Tennessee's state children's health insurance program, and I have been serving now as chief medical officer for Blue Cross Blue Shields of Tennessee for over 10 years, which is a pretty long tenure in that role. But um, it kind of goes along with the question that you asked, what gets you up in the morning? And really what gets me up in the morning is the opportunity to serve. I feel like every day is an opportunity to serve. And you can do that in so many ways, whether it's through work or, you know, even what you do in the community or what you do for the person next door. So it's like the spiritual says that I like to go back to a lot of times, may the work that I do speak for me, may the life that I live speak for me. And so that's what I try to truly walk out every day.
1: That's a, for one, that's a great word to, to live by. And I really, really love that. And I'm sure with your role as the chief medical officer for Blue Cross Blue Shield, some days that it's maybe easier than others to even to live up to that mission. Uh can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what is that up and down like? You know, being someone who is about community, about I'm sure there are some stressors that come with that.
0: Absolutely. Um in this role, I mean, I think for one, working at a health plan, I think everybody has their their connotation of what that means and and sometimes that's negative to people if we're being quite honest, um, but What I think that they don't understand or where I ask people, don't shut the door, is because a lot of us have a public health mindset. Uh, A lot of us come from the public health setting and we want to do what's right for the greater good. I think sometimes if uh, somebody doesn't get exactly what they want on a particular day, then it's easy to lose sight of what the big picture is. And that really is about trying to make sure that people get good health care. And sometimes that means that it just follows evidence. It may not be what you think it should be all the time, but there is a reason behind what we do why we do what we do. And sometimes people don't see that bigger picture. It is incumbent upon us to help educate, but that makes it hard when people just walk away disappointment. So we try to make sure that people walk away aware and empowered based on what we can teach them. So we have to try to make every moment a teachable moment, but it's hard. Like I said, in the moment when somebody's Disappointed, And so I would say that's the hardest part to really convince people. Sometimes we are about the greater good and we are a part of public health. We have data that other entities don't have and we want to use it in a constructive way. So sometimes even when we come up to the table, people are like, oh, here they come. <laughs> and so we're like, yes, We're here because we want to be here and we want to be a a part of the solution. So that's the hard part. And I would say in these challenging times, when we have to be the face of certain things, like, you know, we really, really promoted um, COVID vaccines. That's not even always popular, that type thing. But again, we're trying to give out the message for the greater good so people can make informed decisions. Um, And sometimes... You know, they make decisions that may not align with where we are positionally. But again, if we can make you think about it, I take that as a constructive thing.
1: Like planting the seed. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, no matter what part of the health sector you're in, you're a part of that public health conversation and a part of that public health good. And it also leads to kind of my next question. When we're talking about public health, we're talking about, you said you guys did a big push for getting people vaccinated. Um, it all kind of goes into that social determinants, health disparities, that, that kind of, that group to me, in my opinion, of, of getting, kind of equaling out for everyone to get equal opportunity to get the things they need, preventative care and things of that nature. And what comes with that is that what we now know, we've known for a while, but health is not just about food we eat or the exercise or having that but it's it's more everything outside of that you know where we live things of like that and even racism i know we've talked about that before can um how does structural racism affect health and, and health outcomes
0: so great question i think we've all felt the impact of like the mental health struggles that have come through the covid pandemic we've seen the racial injustices really amplified in some major ways in the last few years. And I think all of us had to stand back and reckon with how we were feeling about that. And I think what it did was really just rip the scab off of something that was always there. There's always been a wound that's been there, if we're being quite honest, about what it's like to be a minority in this environment. I mean, a lot of times we try to put the microaggressions aside and try to ignore the little things that happen day by day. And then when you add on top of that the thing, the pandemics, and, and the things that are right in our faces that we cannot ignore, I think that we really, really had to just call it for what it is. I mean, it's there, it exists, and it impacts health. And one of the Prime examples, for example, um, one, there are studies out there that show, you know, being a Black pregnant woman in this country can come with the risk of your having a premature baby. I mean, that your your whole pregnancy can be somewhat more complicated simply because of being Black in America. You can be affluent. And there's still some implications for your pregnancy. So those type things we can't ignore. And then, so we have to talk about what is at the root of that. There are some things in the community, like you said, where you live, but even if you're affluent is how people pursue you, even perceive you in your affluent neighborhood. So it's just those things that we have to keep chipping away at to make a difference.
1: It's almost like drinking from a a fire hose. There's so much to take into consideration um, when we're talking about our health and knowing, like you said, that the elephant in the room racism and just having to talk about it and then coming to a solution. In um, your opinion piece, why we must recognize racism as a public health threat, which was very well written. I really love what you what you thought about it. But you, you talked about the stress of injustice in the Black community. Would you mind talking a little bit more about that?
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I know even for me, when I felt like I was coping with everything that was going on, What it really was is that I've learned a level of suppression so that those things don't hurt so much. But there gets to be a tipping point for anybody where you have to admit, I'm not okay. Everybody can feel that way. And I think when you feel like everything is piling up, one thing on top of the other, and then you even think about where do I go to get help? If there's already a distrust of the healthcare system Based on some of the historical things that have happened to minority communities, it's easy to get to a place of hopelessness if you feel like I'm hurting and who's gonna help my hurt. So I think we have to recognize that this is something that we have to solve as a system. It's not, you can't ask the person that's hurting to just heal themselves. You've got to turn to the system to say, what has happened? That the very people that are hurting feel like they can't come get help. It is incumbent upon the healthcare system to address it. It doesn't happen by itself. And what we do for the most vulnerable populations, honestly, it is for the greater good. Everybody benefits from a healthcare system that gets better.
1: What is that well, first step? As a doctor, you know, and I'm and I am not a doctor, but working within the healthcare system, even working with people um that look like me, and there's that sense of trust. Whenever, and I'm sure you guys kind of had this during looking at COVID vaccines and getting people of color vaccinated, there was a sense of like, I don't, I don't know about you know, I don't know about this, but they, they want to trust you because they, you know, culturally they 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 trust you, but they also don't trust the healthcare system which is what we're kind of in. So how do we improve that relationship with people who rightfully so have been affected negatively around the healthcare system?
0: Absolutely. Well, one of the things that we can do is look at data. Data is powerful because it is something that's objective. It tells the story Um, I mean, I know you can slice data in a million different ways, but when you drill down to really look at disparities, it tells a story that has been way too consistent, unfortunately. Um, So first of all, look at the data and show it to everybody. I will say, you know, when you're talking about um, the provider community, one of the things, you know, that does speak to that community is when you start showing the numbers of one practice versus another practice, about who they're impacting, that type thing. That actually does speak. When people Mm. don't want to hear it, it will speak. And then you have to start asking, what is going on in practice A that's different from practice B? What are the differences there? So you want to start bringing on the stakeholders in the provider community. They certainly are a stakeholder, that's for sure. But the other thing that you really need to do is to bring in those community champions that the community are willing to hear from, you know, even when it's a hard message, who is it that they believe in? For us around the vaccine hesitancy piece, we partner with Meharry Medical College. Which is the largest um, HBCU medical school? That added a lot of credibility. So for us, it was knowing who to partner with. And it's okay for us to be in the background and letting them be out front because that's where the message is going to be better received. So you have to acknowledge when you need to be in the background pushing versus when you need to be in the lead. But I think there's opportunity for all of it. So I think that's where we start. And then I think we have to just start to dismantle the narrative around, you know, what has happened in the past and how it relates to now. I mean, you know, I know in the South, you know, a lot of people, oh, why would we trust the vaccine? We had Tuskegee, syphilis experience that happened in our backyard years ago well that was years ago for sure and i mean you know we're not going to forget it that's and we should not forget it but then when we even think about what happened then it was treatments were withheld now we got vaccines that we want to make sure you get we don't want to let people get left out so really start let let's talk about the message and let's let's not forget history but let's make sure that we put it in the right context and look at what we have today. And again, you have to get the trusted messengers out there that can deliver that message.
1: Right. So one representation matters to to the community. And even though there is a negative past, um, there are some very positive things that we are doing now that we need to keep up with and and have those people in place to make sure um, that people feel feel like they feel confident.
0: Absolutely. Because the other thing that we don't want to have happen, and this is one of the things that can unfortunately happen in the healthcare system, when people keep rejecting the advances based off of history, then you start getting some stereotypical type statements. Well, they won't want it. That uh, you can't do that. You can't broad do paint everybody with a broad brush for one. And then you can't be passive about it. If a minority community doesn't want something, you've got to think: What did the healthcare system do that really helped them have that kind of particular posture? And so it's incumbent upon the healthcare system to do what they can to be an inviting place. And like you said, representation matters. You've got to have people in that office. You've got to enlist champions in that community that can speak to the community. I mean, a healthcare provider can even bring in some workers from that community. I mean, that goes a mm. long way. You don't have to keep doing the same things you've done in the past. And I mean, in that what they say insanity is? If you keep doing the same things and think you're going to get different results... It's time to change up who people see in that office or in, in the healthcare facilities. I think that helps.
1: Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You know, and, and Dr. Willis, and we're, so we're talking about racism. We're talking about correcting disparities caused by social determinants of health. And you gave some really good. Um, tips and really good value so far Um, and this might kind of be in that same realm but what are some steps we we can take to um, continue to correct disparities caused by social determinants of health or including racism and other things that you guys are maybe working on now that are trying to solve these huge problems that are going to take a long time to really get get under control
0: Well, one of the things that we do now in our care management area, the first question that we ask is, what can we do for you today? I mean, it's easy for us to want to launch into what we think the next clinical step should be. Um, for example, we have an uncontrolled diabetic that we're interacting with. I mean, you know, we immediately we immediately want to jump to, have you had your hemoglobin A1C checked? Have you had your eyes checked? Have you had this checked? If the person on the other end, though, is like, I can't pay my, my utility bill. My lights are going to be cut off tomorrow they really don't care about a hemoglobin A1c (laughs) today. Um, And it's not that it's not, it is important. It's very important. We want them to care about it. But what we need to do first is help them take care of that most pressing problem. And that's really addressing the social determinants of health. What are those things that are barriers to people seeking healthcare in the first place? And we know much of healthcare happens outside of the clinic walls. That's what we're talking about addressing. So are we working with all the stakeholders that we need to? So are we making sure that there are bus stops from the neighborhood's where people need transportations to get to a clinic? Are we making sure there's enough primary care offices that are open in the evening time for when people get off work? Are we making sure that people know about telehealth service? Are we making sure that the broadband is there for people to access telehealth services? So, what are those type things that we can put in place to help level? the playing field so that everybody can optimize their health. Those are the things that we're talking about and some things we can do from a community level. But again, um, I think the thing we have to realize is when we go into these things and we're trying to help the community, uh, I've learned the hard way. You can sometimes have the best intervention. You think like, yes, the data supports it. I got this intervention. It's gonna be great. It's awesome. And the community shuts it down. And you think, Mm. what in the world is going on? Like, I'm just here to help. Again, if you're not addressing what they feel is the most prevalent thing, then sometimes it falls on deaf ears. So, you know, it may be that in your mind, you're thinking, I see a lot of diabetes in this community, and we definitely have to do something. And their thing is, our only grocery store is going out of business. We won't have a place to shop for food. Well, those things actually go hand in hand. And so you lead with how do we help them get a grocery store in their area that can sell some healthy foods. So you have to make sure you lead with the problem as they see it from their perspective.
1: Right. Just simply thinking outside the box, but not too far outside the box.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's all a matter of perspective. And I think that's, that's the beauty of it. When those things come together, that's when you can have the most impact.
1: Right. Um, a question that I, that I have after just, you know, talking with you and and it's with the experience that you have being when talking about representation being a black woman who's a doctor who has a a great position there's a lot of stress that there's a lot of stress that may come with that but also seeing there's somebody that's looking at you as a role model what does that what does that feel like or have you ever thought about it that way of hey i'm rep I'm representation for someone like how Michael Jordan was that person. For me, you can be that for some little girl, some little boy. Have you had that? Have you kind of thought about that before?
0: You know, it is hard not to. And I think sometimes when it hits me. So my um, I have a son. And when I first was offered this role um, and he knew a little bit, he was. What in the eighth grade at the time. And, um, you know, he knew kind of what was going on, but I didn't know how closely he was paying attention. Um, And so when I took the role, the first thing he said was, Congratulations, Chief, not congratulations, (laughs) Mama, but congratulations, Chief. And, you know, I thought that was cute and everything, and I appreciated it. But then, fast forward, like when Christmas time rolled around, and the tag on my gift from him it said to chief from cam and i thought wait, wait a minute here we go chief i'm mama though but i I'm <laughs> right. like that's the more important role but he told me he was like look you're my mom because you know that that's how god planned it he was like but you're chief because of what you've done in this world and i want you to know that that's what i see and that makes me know I can aspire to anything that I want. That nearly had me in tears because I didn't recognize that he was actually looking like that. And and other um, younger folks have said some things that are similar. I try not to think on it too much because, I mean, I just want to serve and I don't want to think about, you know, about the position is not the thing that leads me. It's not my North star. It's the, the serving that's really my North star. But at the same time, I do have a commitment to them to leave the door open. You know, I feel like when you get to places and you climb the ladder, the thing you have to do is leave the door open for those that come behind you. And so I definitely, I definitely have a commitment and I have to do that. If I'm doing, Things right, then those things live on without me. Even when I'm no longer here, if I've done it right, it lives on and it gets even better with the ones that come behind me. So I definitely, definitely think about that. I mean, I won't say that it's not scary to walk in some rooms where nobody else looks like me, but then I channel my grandmother and I say, Mm -hmm. but nobody can tell my story like me either. So that's my opportunities to inject my experience and the experience of those that look like me. So that's an opportunity for us all. And that's what I have to think about. And that's what gives me strength when there's a part of me that would choose to be a little timid. I'm called to be something that's stronger because it's bigger than me.
1: Yes, that's amazing. Well, yeah, I appreciate everything that you do, Dr. Willis, even from from Iowa to to Tennessee. (laughs) Um, Again, Dr. Willis, thank you so much for your your time. I I really appreciated it. Anybody listening wanted to hear more about you, um, learn more about what you're doing um, and just kind of connect with you. Where can they find you?
0: You can find me on LinkedIn, um, also on Twitter, so Andrea Willis, MD on Twitter. So please follow me. Would love to definitely interact with you um, because it is about community, not just in Tennessee, but certainly what we can all do for the greater good together.
1: Awesome. Again, Dr. Willis, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciated it. Uh, and everyone, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll let you next time.